Hello everyone, my name is Kendall and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. In these episodes of this podcast, I will be sitting down with various guests to connect over who they are, their happiness, and lessons they've learned. I believe life is like a book. Each chapter is a piece of our development and growth with the good, the bad, and everything in between that ultimately makes up our story. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences and opinions throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. This week, I am here with Eli Morano, who you've heard about from the part one of the book club episode last week with their partner, Emma. But they're here for a moment to talk all about them. And the best part is they're doing this completely authentic and off the cuff because I usually give my guests questions and get them ready, let some people process and think about things. And then some people, like Eli, like to just be on the spot. Eli, welcome. Thank you. I like the way that you frame that as like authenticity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, laziness or anything else. No, but the way that Emma described it was great, where it's like you're talking about yourself, so it's not like you have anything to prepare for, okay. and off the cuff. I feel like it comes across more genuine that way for me. Like, if I take too much time to think about my answers or put too much thought into it, I feel like it comes across, like, rehearsed or... Um, I just much prefer speaking. Yeah. yeah. Totally makes sense. So I was trying to think. You and I met for the first time at a coffee shop. Emma was like, come meet my partner, Eli. And I was like, cool. We met at a coffee shop. He was lovely. And then I feel like trying to think of when we first started feeling like we had stuff in common as two individuals outside of you just being like my close friend's partner. And I would say one of the big ones is reading. Which is so great for this podcast because you like to read. And obviously, we've talked about that a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit more in the second part of the book club episode. But for now, just to get to know you a little bit, you work in social work. And so how did you go through that path, decide that, what led you to that kind of your journey through undergrad and getting your master's and then to where we are now? Yeah, so it was very nonlinear. Um, I originally wanted to be a teacher. Well, actually, let me backtrack even a little <laughs> further than that. I, you know, growing up, when people were like, what was your dream job? I didn't have one. I really was in denial that I was going to have to, like, grow up and be an adult and work a full, full-time full job. Never really liked school, but um, I kind of, at some point, shifted into acceptance of that um, and went to undergrad with the idea of getting my degree for education. Um to go back and teach. And my idea with that was, you know, not because I enjoyed school, but because I had some pretty awesome teachers that as somebody that did not enjoy school whatsoever, I had pretty wonderful teachers that made it like an incredible learning experience in more ways than just like, you know, the math that we were learning or the books that we were reading. I mean, that makes all the difference. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really wanted to get into the profession to be able to have that same connection with other students that I felt like were me, that were smart and had their own strengths that weren't necessarily like the SOLs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And to give them like a reason to be motivated to get up and, and do something, show up. Right. Um, and so I went to undergrad and got my degree in that, um, got into education and very quickly realized that it was, it was not where I wanted to be. Um, so very quickly turned around and applied for grad school from NSW. Um, and my thought process behind that was like, what's another way that I can still find that connection with people and build those relationships and have that impact, um, that isn't so focused on, you know, like standardized stuff. Like just teachers deal with a lot of stuff, man. Like it just, it, it, I think it gives me more respect for the teacher that I had that they were able to navigate all of that and yeah. I just felt like it wasn't quite right for me um, and so I had a therapist at the time and I kind of was like maybe I want to do this like this feels like a pretty awesome connection yeah and, like a more intentional way of connecting with people in the way that I en- envision teaching um, like a more impactful and like intimate setting versus the like learning part of it 
where yeah. you're like trying to teach somebody something and not connecting to like the human being as much. Yeah. Not that teachers don't. My mother's a teacher. I know that, but yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I went back and I got my master's and even that was nonlinear. I like was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and you know, where I wanted to be. And there's so many different subjects or like you know, ways that you can be a social worker. Um, and it's really hard, I think, to visualize a future in social work when so many of the jobs are not something that I've had like firsthand experience with, right? And so you have like this idea of what this job can look like, and then you get into an internship or have some some sort of other way of like touching that, and you mm-hmm. say, "Wow, this is completely different than I thought it would be, and I love it." Or this is nothing like what I envisioned, and I don't think that this is actually for me. So it was a very um, clunky process getting through grad school and trying to figure that out, and you know, two years in grad school, two years post-grad to get my, my license. Um, so, you know, all, in, all included, we're looking at eight years of undergrad, grad, post-grad for my license and somehow stumbled into a role that I'm pretty happy with, but that was a lot of just like trial and error getting here. Um, so I currently do outpatient therapy work. And I think that maybe that's a little funny. Maybe somebody would chuckle there because, like, I think when people think of a social worker, that's probably like the most planned, basic yeah. thing that they envision with it. Um, but I really like it. Um, I get to meet with people one-on-one. I get to develop, like, certain specialty areas. Um, I have a really great boss, really great practice that I'm with. Um, but all of that to say, yeah, it, it, it took me a while to get here. And who knows where I'm going to be in another year or two. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think about that, too, because when I, you know, I know you because your partner, Emma, and I were college roommates. And it's funny because she talked about social work, too. And I was like, in my mind, all I can think when I think of social work is such a basic understanding of it. So it's like watching SVU or any of those like procedurals and having somebody come out to work with a family or to work with an individual. Mm -hmm. And so I never even knew the side of it that is more almost like therapy and like an intimate relationship Mm -hmm. with somebody else. And so that's really cool that you can do that. And Mm -hmm. That's, I know, I know how much work it is, I can imagine, and especially probably during a pandemic that we're now coming out of, but like being at home and then being in a place of crisis and turmoil as like a whole entity and people in general, and then to have those, have your job be so heavy as well and, you know, not burning out, I can't even imagine. So how was that time? during the pandemic? Um, I mean, I'll say something that's potentially controversial, but give me, give me a second <laughs> to like explain it. Um, the pandemic was like a welcomed break for me. If, big if here, if I'm looking at this from like a very personal lens and like not taking into account, you know, folks like the, the, the wider impact that that had yeah. on people, right? Um, the pandemic hit when I was in my last like three months, two, three months of grad school. Um, I had an internship at the time, which was part of a requirement for grad school that we were supposed to be at for three eight-hour days a week. So, like, a significant portion. It wasn't, like, you yeah. know, five hours a week or something. We yeah. were for, what is that, 24 hours a week. Like, it was a lot um, that I, I really did not like. Um, on top of that, I was working full-time in a hospital setting doing crisis work um, and doing classes, you know, so... Wow. Yeah, I feel like that was the point where I really reached, like, burnout. I was questioning all of my choices <laughs> that led to that point. We were li- living in, like, this tiny, I yeah. swear, it was, like, 600 square feet apartment. Mm-hmm. With um, five cats. With five cats. Yeah, <laughs> me and Emma, um, who had, like, newly moved in together. We moved, we moved in together uh, New Year's Eve. So, like, <laughs> into this, like, 600-square-foot apartment, um, we had, like, an airplane bathroom where, like, we could sit with her and, like, wash our hands at the same time. Yeah. Like, not a lot of space. Yeah. Um, I'm remembering. I think I went to that apartment. Where you, like, did. go up the stairs. Oh, no, and that, was, that was oh, a second apartment. Oh, no, my no, that one, that one was, like, double the space. <laughs> so, like, literally cut that apartment that you saw in half. Yeah. And that was our first apartment. We would joke that we had a, a counter, but you couldn't even quite fit a plate on it. It was like the sink ended, and then you had like maybe like six inches of like oh counter gosh. space, and then the stove started, so you could like balance the plate mm-hmm. on the kitchen and the stove and yeah. like call it a counter. Like cooking sounds real fun. It went. Oh my god, it was <laughs> terrible, and so we were just in like survival mode. And I think every week I looked at Emma and I was like all of my decisions up to this point have been wrong. Like, <laughs> everything's wrong. Yeah. 
Um, and so when the pandemic happened or like when everything officially shut down, um, it was the week of spring break. So like halfway through the last semester and we were out of school for the week. And then we got an email that we were going to get an additional week of spring break. And like all of a sudden our one week off, it didn't feel like a week off because you know, all your papers are mm-hmm. due and everything else. We still had to go to internship that week. Hmm. All of a sudden, we didn't have to go to internship anymore, and we were going to get an additional week, and all of our papers got an extension. And I was like, oh, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is fantastic. And then, you know, one week, then also makes it another week, and then another week, and then just through June. And, like, you know, and all of a sudden, they were like, well, we'll try to resume June 10th, is what I believe the governor had said Mm -hmm. at the time. And we were like, all right, the graduation is like, we may whatever it was um and so you know all of our teachers had to and like our our field supervisors and everyone our work had to like panic find a way to let us like work from home or I don't know everyone was just like understandably in this crisis mode like what Mm -hmm. do we do and so we ended up getting like some papers dropped we didn't have to finish out all of our internship hours our work from home job got like pushed remote and like all of these things happened, which again, like terrible reasoning, right? Yeah. Um, but in that moment, it was just such a relief to me who like acknowledging my privilege, like had an apartment so mm-hmm. I could be, I could be safe. And I just felt like we finally had some space to breathe where I feel like we were just teetering on like, I don't say this word lightly, like a breakdown. Yeah. You know? um, and so it, I think it gave us a space that we needed to just like sleep and process and like, get you know get her feet back under us um and so the pandemic actually ended up for those first few months working quite in our favor um it was then after that i feel like where we caught up with the rest of the world we were like oh man like what does this mean for us like now that we've graduated and like nowhere is hiring and yeah all of that um so all of this to say that initially it was a, a welcomed break from reality for us. And then we had a little bit of time to ease in after that because, you know, restrictions eased and we got to apply for things. And the jobs that we applied for, you know, we got to be virtual for the first like, yeah. year that they were in. Like, I don't know. It, it really, in that regard, like, made our, our life and our work a little bit easier. Um And we also were very lucky in that we both, when I say we, I mean, of course, like me and I were my partners. Um, we do, at the time we were signed up to do uh, crisis social work and crisis response. And so while there were a bunch of other places that, uh, for very valid reasons, like weren't able to hire or were shutting down or whatever, like, crisis response was through the, through yeah. the roof. And so, you know, like there was so many incentives to, to join. Um, and so it ended up working pretty well for us to shift from grad school into a new role and there were plenty of opportunities for us in that. Yeah. Yes. And it's nice I imagine to have somebody at home who like gets what you're doing. Like you both mm-hmm. are doing very similar things. So you have that person to lean on. You have like you said, working from home remotely for that first year must feel so nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is by no means the same at all, but like as somebody who's in therapy, like knowing that I don't have to go in to meet my therapist, although I love her, like it feels very comforting to have that at home. Yeah. I can imagine for her it's comforting and to like be in my own space. And then when you're done, step out and still be in your own space. Yeah. You don't have to have like that awkward waiting room experience mm-hmm. where like somebody's crying in the waiting room with <laughs> the weird sound machine or like the waterfall that's supposed to yeah. somehow be calming and yeah. not, not turn into this movie. But it was very nice. Yeah. Um, I think it helps a lot of clients have more access to resources yeah. as well. Um, especially for for me, I have a very specific client population at this point that I work with, which is um gender non-conforming transitioning um people or like anyone that has like a queer identity and so often that means that like their their resources are limited right and so so often there are therapists that have the best of intentions and maybe even the right trainings and everything like that but if you are not like queer identifying yourself and even like if you do identify like on the sexuality spectrum within queer like if you're still cis or you're not genderqueer in any terms that still doesn't often feel like a safe space for so many individuals, yeah. right? And so the fact that we can see anyone within the state of Virginia within our license 
um, of course, I got my sense of terms in it. Um, the people that are out in like very rural Virginia that otherwise have like five providers in like their county yeah. to pick from. Yeah, who yeah. might not identify with what they're looking yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. It's pretty cool to be able to like you know have somebody up in Nova and have somebody out in like a random rural county. I don't even know where they are without having to look it up. There's people in Richmond, of course, but just being able to like, give people the access to that and not have to say, well, hey, you have to drive two hours in each way, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty That's cool. That's so, I, this sounds so, like, dumb, but I, or ignorant, but it didn't even occur to me that, like, because you can work in, like, across the entire state, you do. Like, you give them so much access. Like, I think even when I was looking for my therapist, I probably looked and looked for a local because in my head, mm-hmm. I either assumed I would eventually have to go back in person and it wouldn't be an option, which it hasn't yet turned into, sure. or I, like, that was the logical choice, but that makes so much sense mm-hmm. and is so great. Like, that's amazing. And yeah. you'll be able to be virtual that way mm-hmm. forever, right? And, like, yeah. be able to have them as your, that's awesome. It is. Yeah. And I specifically like the way that my practice is set up um, because we operate primarily from a virtual aspect. We do have an office where um, some people, like I have one coworker who um, specializes in pretty young children, right? And so she'll see people that are like, I think her youngest client is like six, right? And you can't really do that virtually, right? So she goes into the office because it's a lot better to do Mm -hmm. that type of work in office. And it's a little Mm -hmm. more limiting in terms of what I'm talking about with like a broad scope or whatever. Yeah. Um, But I really like that my supervising the person that owns the practice it sees the benefit of virtual therapy access to telehealth resources and there's a a whole lot in the pandemic when like that it first happened like you know is zoom HIPAA compliant like is it ethical to meet with your therapist will the services be compromised Mm -hmm. if they're virtual because so like so many people just hadn't had a virtual experience and there's this layer or like this facade sometimes like what am I looking for that's not quite the right word like misconception of like yeah. authenticity with it if you're behind the screen um and I think that that's one way to look at it but there's so many different perspectives right and I think that ultimately the benefits outweigh the cons and I'm so glad that like our licensing like requirements and their HIPAA compliances and all these other things that like people that aren't in the profession having to deal with that mm-hmm. think about like that they're finally catching up and agreeing with it because they don't have time to wear insurance that sure you can continue to see this therapist will out but insurance won't cover it if it's over zoom which put a lot of clients in a really crappy position to yeah say, like okay well i can either drive in and have my insurance covered or meet over zoom and not have insurance covered right so i, I get a little bit on a tangent but um yes my my takeaway from this is that um virtual the the ability to meet with mental health providers virtually is so 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 helpful and beneficial on a large scale and I really don't think that we would be anywhere near the position that we are in Mm -hmm. without forcing regulations to catch up to that because of the pandemic which again is another way that I think like we can kind of silver line some of that yeah 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 that's nice and so you love what you do for the most part yeah (laughs) I I do I genuinely mean that when my clients are like (laughs) Do you like? Do you like me? <laughs> the answer, ninety nine percent of the time, is yes. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, I, I do enjoy my work. I will say, and even if my my boss is listening, <laughs> uh, I do genuinely enjoy my work. I, I do feel overworked sometimes. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, um, I, I, I yeah. do genuinely enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. And I can only imagine. You know, it's probably a, it's a very stressful and overwhelming job at, me, at many times and whatnot. But it's nice to hear somebody that really enjoys what they do and what they do makes an impact. And that's really lovely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to transition into one of the topics at hand, which is happiness. So can you define happiness for me in your own words, ideas, beliefs? Yeah. Well, I think that that could be... Like I could give you kind of like the dictionary definition, or I can give you kind of like an individualized <laughs> definition. I would right? love an individualized definition. Give me your so. definition. Yeah. So I think happiness for me personally would really like boil down to the absence of anxiety. Um, oh. Yeah. 
you know, I think there's a misconception that like being a mental health professional that we don't have our own stuff, right? Which, mm-hmm. you know, I think anyone in the field would tell you that's not true. So I am somebody that, well, I feel has a pretty good hold on it. I do still have like a, an ongoing battle, right? Mm-hmm. With just like anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the absence of anxiety, whether that's like small moments throughout the day or even bigger, like larger scale pictures, I think to me is happiness because it allows me the space to be present in moments. It allows me to like feel joy in a way that doesn't have to be like reserved so that like 15% of it can be left for like anxiety, right? Like I can feel it wholeheartedly mm-hmm. it can be present. I can like experience, uh, you know, different things without like hesitation behind them or fear with them. And I think that that is what I'm really hoping for and striving for in life. I love that. You just like sparked a moment in me where I was like, oh, that's a great way to say it. Like I'm thinking of the moments as somebody who has anxiety all the time. I'm thinking of the moments of where I feel like pure bliss. And that's like those moments without that anxiety or those nerves or whatever it is. And it's just blissful. And you're just like, happy and I'm thinking back to when I listed on this podcast those things like being in bodies of water mm-hmm. being with my cat banks mm-hmm. like those moments of blissfulness yeah. and yeah it's that absence of that anxiety and the pressure or the stress or whatever other things that just kind of are really loud yeah. and overwhelming you might take away from yeah. that moment yeah that's great it doesn't even have to be anything huge like of course happiness could be like an all expensive you know all expensive <laughs> vacation somewhere you know, but it could also just be like, you know, the hanging out at the house and having a day where like, you know, like you just make a really good meal that just like hits right. And yep. like you find a new song that you want to blast while you're cooking and like, yeah, you know, just like little things like that where you yeah. can just be really present in the day. And it yeah. just feels good. Right? Listen to a good podcast. You listen to a good podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great segue. So what are some of the things that make you happy? Some of the things that make me happy. How? So many There's things. eight of them in the house right now, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right? Well, Did I count right? Well, if you count my wife. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Emma was included in that list. Yeah, yeah. So we have five cats, two dogs, and I, I also have a wife. <laughs> um, and all of those things, of course, make me happy. Um, happiness for me, again, it's not it's not big picture stuff. For me, like, sure, like retirement is great. Or like financial stability, like, I'm sure that that would make me very happy. <laughs> things like that but happiness for me I think really boils down to like again those small moments of really what I just talked about like a really good meal like a song that I love like a tv show that I start and then get so sucked into that like you know like you start feeling like the characters like your friends a little Mm -hmm. bit you know yeah just like things like that like a week at the beach like Mm -hmm. which I you know I'm tracing that back to and all of those moments are times where I don't feel anxious so There we go. Perfect. Okay. So what are some of the ways that you find balance or you like relieve your own stress, especially after now talking about your job? Like what are some of the things you do and how do you do it? So I think um, like something that I am always working on and recalibrating is like a work-life balance, right? And that's tricky because I don't feel like I'll ever get, like, one math equation that'll, like, get it out perfect. It's, like, constantly shifting and, like, very slippery. And so self-care for me means, like, being able to do well in my job and also be able to step away from it and be able to, like, live my life outside of my job. Um, You know, like, I have my identity outside of being a therapist. Um, And so making sure that I, like, for me, exercise is huge, right? Like, that's where I find my community. It's where all of my friends just go to meet up without even having to, like, set a time and, like, use the mental space to, like, say, hey, do you want to get, like, we just all meet there for, you know, practice and everything, right? Um, So, like, the physical relief and release that exercise brings, like, spending quality time with my partner and my pets and um, really, like, pouring into other aspects of my life that I feel like give me some sort of like return on that investment so whether that's like a home project like you just built a shed out here right yeah you know you all did like so much you built a fence in your backyard for the pets Mm -hmm. now a shed like Mm -hmm. your whole house is beautiful you have like all of these fun 
on the walls for the cats to climb. Like you guys have really like put in a lot of love and effort into these projects that you can tell. Thank you. Yeah. And that's been like, if home is your safe space, mm-hmm. right. And that's where you go to like recharge the making sure that your home is a place that feels good and like that you can relax and you can feel good about and pouring time and energy into like even just little things like keeping a home clean. Right. Like maybe that sounds counterintuitive to when I say self-care, but for me, like yeah. having a clean, clean home allows me the space to yeah. unwind a little bit easier. Right. Or shout out to my wife for always cooking the food. Like she is the chef in the house. Right. And that makes a huge difference mm-hmm. to me on like having, you know, not having to just like eat peanut butter on a bagel and like mm-hmm. grab a banana and go like to have like a good, healthy, nutritionally dense meal that like tastes good and makes all the difference in the world. So just like pouring in to all of those capacities so that I can be a good human as my profession, but like within my profession and outside of my yeah. profession and like finding that balance. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah that's lovely. And I totally relate to the as much as you may love whatever it is that you do as a job and whatnot but making sure that you're an individual outside of that and like you don't lose yourself within that and then for the home-cooked meal I hope tonight our dinner we're gonna put in we're gonna make some sushi and it's gonna be real good I think excited about it I think so we're gonna put in some effort and love into that I'm excited for it too also because like while my wife is incredible and like can do some pretty awesome stuff. There's like something about having like a new chef in the house, you know, <laughs> that like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. But like maybe you love your favorite author and you love reading the books, but then sometimes you also want to like read it. Just yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited yeah. for like a new meal and new, new spices and a new way yeah. to look at it. So I'm, I'm yeah. very excited yeah. about sushi. I'm excited. I hope it comes out well. <laughs> no no pressure. It. So is there anything in your life this is a very broad question. Was there anything that didn't go the way you thought it would or didn't turn out well or something, but ultimately, later down the line or immediately after whatever it is, the outcome turned into something beautiful and was, like, almost meant to be this way instead? Mm, that's a good question. I think that, like all answers, I don't have, like, a very <laughs> straightforward answer for you. I don't really believe that everything happens for a reason. Ooh, so I don't okay. believe that, like you know, like, this terrible thing happens, but this wonderful, beautiful thing could necessarily, but I do believe that, like, there are, like, ripple effects, right? Like, something happens, Mm -hmm. which, like, initiates something else happening, whatever, whatever, right? So, um, there's that, and then I also balance on the other side of that, like, I genuinely believe that while I love the life that I've built for so many reasons, I also believe that if I took a different path that I would also find myself in a really wonderful life that I love because I, I like to think that no matter what, I'm still going to like find my footing and make choices that are like with the best of intentions to build yeah. the best life. Right. Um, so I love does, that. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, but I, I love that because yeah. you, it doesn't put that much pressure on making the right choice yeah. and so much as just like we have free will and like, mm-hmm. I believe that too. We're like every choice has a consequence mm-hmm. or a gift or whatever it may be. But like, each choice is it is what it is and you make it and then you gotta make with what you Yeah. Yeah. So I mean like well done though, right? But like (laughs) let's say I lived in, you know, a different state or a different country, I'm sure that I also would have met somebody else there that I'm sure that I would have like a lovely, wonderful life with. And for me that's not like something sad or like you like a discount towards the relationship that I have at all. Like I think if anything that's just showing that like as humans we are adaptable and that I have the confidence that wherever I go I'm going to try to like make the best of a situation so like have things happen that didn't work out the way that I originally thought that they would yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I mean we can go back to my story about how I came into my my job my profession and like all those hiccups through undergrad and grad and and there's like previous relationships I've had and jobs that I've had that I thought were going to be different um I don't know. So, like, if there's no, like, one thing that stands out to me when you ask me that question. I just think of so many, like, little things that have had, like, trickle effects, right? Um, and so my life is so, so different than I would have thought that it was when I was, like, 18 trying to plan my life out, mm-hmm. like, applying for college or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's better, right? Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I think it's better. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't think, like, there's no one thing that I can pinpoint and say, like, and this was, like, the, pin, like, the 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So on that note, what are some lessons that you've learned or are still learning Mm -hmm. that have been the most impactful to you? I would say all of the hardest ones. <laughs> and like, it's a joke, but I'm also really serious. Like yeah. the hardest lessons are like the ones I think mm-hmm. that have stuck with me and also been the most necessary, right? Like um don't cut corners. Yeah. Like it's gonna you cut enough corners, you're going in a circle, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like things like that, or like um just like you need to be a good person, right? Like, and not because you want this person right here in front of you to think that you're a good person, but, like, genuinely you just need to, like, make good choices for yourself and other people, like, that you can be proud of and, like, I don't know, and that are going to, like, give you a good return in life Mm -hmm. and, like, help build a future, right? You can't treat people like crap. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just think a lot of them, I think about, like, times where I've, I've hurt people because... You know, I mean, like, I was intentionally trying to hurt them, but maybe I was short-sighted or, like, you know, like, that immediate um, yeah. return that you, like, gratification, I guess, yeah. you could get, right? Where, like, because I'm feeling lazy, I don't want to do something or whatever. And there have been times where it's, it's really bit me in the ass. You know, like, I've lost some really wonderful, like, people in my life because I didn't treat them appropriately. And... Like, those are really hard lessons. I've been fired before. Um, that was a really, really hard lesson, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so, you know, all of those really, really, really hard ones, I think, are, are the ones that are most important. It's really shaped who I am, right? Who I am, now that I've decided social norms aren't for me, now that I've come out as queer on many levels, right? Um, now that I've changed my career a couple times and now that I've seen the consequences of cutting corners, like, what is that? What does that leave me with? Because whatever that is, like, that's me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I have this moment of reflection as I'm talking where I can say, like, I do think I'm a good person now. Like, I can stand with a lot of pride and the decisions that I make and the reasons for why I do things. Um, and I don't think that I would have like been shaped into the person that I am if I hadn't had some like really hard reality checks right yeah yeah I'm trying to learn that where every every difficult thing that happens or everything that you feel like just sucked and was just like why did this happen how did this happen how did I let this happen or whatever it may be I tried it at the end of it now turn around and be like well what did I learn from it because it is what it is yeah and I think those are important and maybe you know it's almost like a I think of it like a kid where it's like they have to learn over and over again and I feel like until it really kicks you in the ass maybe you don't fully learn it and then it does and you're like okay I heard you yeah got it yeah noted yeah I think it goes back to that question of like something that you like it's changed right like it didn't turn out the way that you thought that it would right like relationships and jobs and things like that and just like it's really hard right because I think it's so easy to look back at things like that and say like oh that person is toxic or Mm -hmm. I didn't want that job anyway or whatever it was right and that's easy and there's some things where like shit just happens to you and it's valid and I'm not trying to say like there's a reason for your trauma and like stuff like that right but really being intentional and some self-reflection right of like have I had a part in, in certain things yeah. that have happened? I'm like, is this really yeah. what I what I want to be doing right yeah. now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually had that conversation with a friend recently where she was telling me about something that was happening in her life and how she was taking accountability for it in some way. And at the time, I got defensive for her because I was like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, you just had a shitty experience. Mm-hmm. But I get it now where it wasn't like taking accountability in the way that you're like, oh, I did this and I put myself whatever. But if she was like, you know, maybe I ignored some of these red flags or I justified something else because of this. And then it led me to this situation. And because of that, I'm going to take some accountability. And now for the next time, I'm going to take note of these things. And people will repeat history, right? So like, if you don't learn from the first time, then you're going to do it again. So that's the accountability they're taking and the self-reflection. Yeah, which is really hard. Yeah, it is hard. And I think that that's 
you know, is a is an important thing to do. Yeah, it really is. So I was going to say, what are some of the things that you have learned in the last few years, maybe since the pandemic, maybe coming out of it, that have changed? Or what What have you learned? What are you changing? What is something new? Mm. I wouldn't say so much that, like, at least like what, what comes to mind initially isn't something I necessarily learned, but maybe confirmed. Mm. And that's the idea of, like, social norms and how like a lot of them just aren't aren't where it's at man (laughs) i'm just not really with it um you know like i mean i talked a little bit about that with like licensing stuff and like being able to be virtual right but just i think that the pandemic forced people to really evaluate some of the choices that they've made um or like companies to have to like allow a little more flexibility for their employees and just this idea that, you know, maybe you don't need to wake up at 6 a.m. and, like, have a 30-minute commute into work and sit in a cubicle or, mm-hmm. you know, eat lunch out yeah. of like, the lunchbox or whatever and drive home. I don't know, like, and that's, like, one very specific type of job, right? But just there are so many different ways that jobs can be done, right? Yeah. And, like, having to relook at just how we function as a society, right? Not even just commuting into work, but things for, like, people that are home more, like, the relationship that that allows them to have with, like, their pets or their children or their partner or, like, themselves outside Mm -hmm. of work, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. what does it mean to reclaim some of that time? I don't know. The pandemic was wild. Like, a lot of people got into really meaningful relationships. A lot of, like, divorces happen. I don't know. I just feel like it forced people to really look at maybe choices that they made, not because they did a lot of, like, self-reflection on those choices or anything like that, but maybe just out of, like, social norm stuff, like, expectations. And I think a lot of people said, hey, you know what? I don't really think that this is correct for me. And I always felt like that was true for myself. Um, for a variety of reasons. So I think just um, having that, like, confirmed and validated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, like, some people had to spend a lot of time <laughs> with their partners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, which for some people was, like, a wonderful gift. And for other people, maybe that was, like, a different type of gift, right? Where they, yeah. were, you know, had to mm-hmm. reevaluate some stuff. And just like what are, what are you prioritizing in life, right? I, I don't know. I think maybe that's what it what it comes down to. What are you prioritizing in life? Is it what you actually prioritize as an individual, or is it what like society has kind of uh, backed you into a corner of like mm-hmm. thinking is like the way that you need to do it? Because if we learned anything, it's that like the world is nutty, right? <laughs> like things can get flipped on their head, and also a lot of things that I think that we just assumed are like factual or like the way that they are because that's the way that they are, all of a sudden, like, aren't that way. Turns yeah. out, like, we don't have to do things a specific mm, way, yeah. right? You know? so, Surprise! Yeah, yeah. So just, I don't know, like, open-mindedness and just, like, getting away from cookie-cutter stuff. So I think yeah. that, yeah, that, that's this is my very long way of saying that. I think I I always knew that I wasn't meant for the cookie-cutter life. <laughs> and uh, the confirmation is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it probably helped empower people to then feel that validation like it's confirmed and you're like okay well now I'm empowered to also say that like this doesn't work for me how do we work how do we work together to make this work for everybody yeah which is a lot harder to do a lot harder said than done but what do you think the lesson you would tell your younger self or something something you would tell your younger self if you could you're looking like directly in front I need you to like look a look further ahead like you're looking one step ahead immediate gratification you need to think about this like four five six seven steps down the road right like go back to being a better person or like don't take the easy way or don't take shortcuts type of thing mm-hmm. like think long term yeah, yeah. i don't do that as an adult <laughs> I'm trying to force myself <laughs> to do it a little bit right yeah. yeah like five years down the road or like okay you're doing this but what's the next step after that and yeah and not even in a way that like you need to have a five-year plan at all times and like the stress and anxiety of like having your whole future planned. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like have all the details ironed out. I mean like the choices that you're 
you're making, um, like do them with intention. There's a quote that I actually really like. It's not going to like dickish if you take it out of <laughs> context, but I, I really carried it with me. Um, and it's effort is a choice. Oh, um, and I really like that because I think that it takes some of like the like privileged stuff that sometimes people are like, if you try hard and work hard and you can pull your bootstraps out, like that's mm-hmm. so much privilege, right? And there's so much stuff that we can't control. But the amount of effort that we put into something is something that we have complete choice over. Yeah. So effort is a choice, right? Yeah. And so like put in some more effort into like these specific choices that you're making right here and right now. I don't need you to like figure out your plan five years from now because it's going to change anyway. Mm-hmm. But like building blocks for a better foundation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then once you put in that effort and in, into whatever choice that you've made, like you take full ownership of whatever happens and yeah. like, you know, at least that you did your best and yeah. you tried and that's a lot more than just hoping it works out because. Yeah. yeah. Or like just, you know, doing stuff where you're like, Oh, I could do this and like get what I need immediately. But mm-hmm. like, is that going to help me down the road with, you know, setting yourself up for yeah. a career or a relationship or financial stability or whatever like don't focus on the specifics but think about like laying a strong foundation and put some yeah. put some effort into it no i like that i like that mm-hmm. and so do you believe in regret or how do you when you hear that word like what does it mean to you and how does it do you believe in it does it exist do you do you have it in your life i mean yeah i've heard the whole idea that like never regret anything because at one point it was exactly what you wanted or whatever. But I also believe that, like, people can do some stuff and then pretty immediately look back and be like, oh, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. Like, a lot of hurt came from that or, you know, whatever. And I think that regret is a very valid feeling to have, right? Is what do you do with it? But here we are getting to the therapist stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, like, if you have regret, like, Okay, so let's do some acceptance of, like, the choices that were made and the outcomes of it, right? Like, let's make a commitment to do better in the ways that we can. And, like, let's understand the thought process and patterns behind, like, why you're feeling regret. A lot of times there's, like, an underlying feeling there, right? Um, Like, maybe it's sadness or guilt or anger or you know something yep. like that right and so yeah like, what's that underlying primary feeling is what I'm trying to, yeah. to identify yeah 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 no I, I I agree and it it exists it's a valid thing I don't think I think there's almost like a stigma behind the word because it sounds like this negative mm-hmm. thing but it's okay it's like having any other feeling any other thing and mm-hmm. I guess the important part for me would be like did you learn from that and you can yeah. sit and hold that regret if you'd like if it helps remind you of what not to do or whatever, that's fine. But, like, did you learn from that? Yeah, yeah. I think that having regret shows some level of self-reflection, mm-hmm. right? Which is how we grow up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's as black and white as, like, a good thing or a bad thing or a yeah. real thing or whatever. I think it's indicative of, you know, some other emotions and, like, what do you do to process that and yeah. move forward from it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. So then my next question is... And this is my favorite question to ask people. And this is the only one that I kind of prepared you for. (laughs) Yep. What would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? All right. So when I originally heard this question, because my my partner really likes to be prepared for things. And I told Kendall that I didn't want to have homework for this podcast. (laughs) Which is what she was alluding to at the beginning of this, right? Um, I my initial answer was I would rob a bank which I feel like probably undermines everything that I just built up to about trying to be like a good person (laughs) and like make better choices. But, you know, when you put the caveat in there, like it couldn't fail, no consequences are going to come back at me. Uh, But if I want to have like a more meaningful answer to that and not like a get rich scheme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would I do if I knew that I would? Yeah. Um, Okay. So this is probably kind of like, a weird answer, but I'm gonna explain it. I would travel. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think, like, let's all take a pause here, like, raise our eyebrows or whatever, right? <laughs> like, um, so I have a lot of anxiety. We touched on that earlier, and a lot of my anxieties around like leaving, like, my home base, my safe space, my comfort, right? Because I think I'm a pretty well adjusted, 
you know, high functioning emails problem actor, function uh, person mm-hmm. um, in general. But a lot of that is from like I have my partner, I have my home base, I have my safe job, I have a boss that I like and feel comfortable with, which makes a huge difference. And I'm very settled into like my routine and my gym and my friends and my whatever. But I've also lived in Richmond my whole life, right? Like I've been here for I'm 28 now, 28 years in one little city, right? Um, aside from like. I did a study abroad one semester. Like, it's a long time. There's a big world out there. And the nothing, nothing scares me more than instability. Like, it, however that looks, right? Like, whether that is, like, not knowing, like, what my week is going to look like next week or, like, much bigger instability of, like, if I were to just, like, sell my house, move, like, backpack or something I don't know like that terrifies me but when I kind of step back what also scares me is the thought of doing another 28 years in Richmond right that's a wild contradiction yeah no I totally get it yeah so like I guess if I'm going to take my own my own words here right and think more Mm -hmm. long term I should yeah like get out and see the world it's hard Virginia State Licensing Board for Social Work I really need to make it (laughs) So that I can practice outside of just the state of Virginia, that would make life a little bit easier. You know, um, with with like virtual sessions, you could. No, no, we still can't. Ugh. It has to still be within Virginia. Yeah. So, um, the Virginia board, if you're hearing mm-hmm. this, please hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, now that we have like virtual ability, that yeah. could be a great idea. I it would think be. that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of red tape with that. But, yeah. you know, the idea of, like, I would still love to be able to, like, use my degree. I don't think that I could ever be as free as, like, I'll just pick up odd and end jobs and go here and, like, live off the land. Or, like, I, you know, like, all respect people that do that. I, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, if I knew that I could successfully see the world, however we would define that, mm-hmm. that's what I would do. I love that answer. Thanks. And also, like, it makes sense, and it. I agree. Like, I have, I think one of the many reasons why, although I love moving around and I love traveling and I love all of that and I grew up that way, like, I am so needing stability mm-hmm. that, like, the idea of moving somewhere without having, like, everything else mm-hmm. secured and ready to go and knowing I like it, knowing I have a job, all this yeah. is so scary yeah. that I can't, like, I can't jump without knowing that there's a body of water at the bottom. Yeah. And that's scary. It is. It so, is. It's freaking terrifying. But like you said, I don't want to spend the next, there. you know, there's certain things that, like, I, I've been thinking about this, too, with me where I was, like, I do want to move. I would like to live somewhere else maybe sometime soon and get that new experience. Yeah. And But, like, I could also blink if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And it'll be years of me not doing whatever it is that I would like to do. Yeah. yeah. At some point, you have to just do it. To do it, right? I mean, that's, that's hard. And I feel like the older and more, like, rooted you got, the harder it gets, right? Like, I have a mortgage. I have a wife. I have pets I have a job with a license attached to a specific state mm-hmm. right and not that like I you know everyone can make up any excuse in the world mm-hmm. so I think it maybe this will prompt some self-reflection for me and for him about like yeah what do we really want to do with that yeah I like that so my last question for you is what do you see or what are you pursuing in this chapter of your life I'm really trying to like refine myself and like put it like a not in a not cheesy way <laughs> um in I feel like Emma and I've had many in-depth conversations about this because I feel like we're in a pretty similar spot with this right where for so long we were trying to get through you know being like a teenager in high school and then undergrad and then grad and then our license and like just it felt like goal after goal after goal mm-hmm. after goal even just with like the home and the marriage and the whatever and we paused very intentionally um because we feel like the next goal that everyone kind of expected from us was children really mm. like, mm. uh no probably not mm. like maybe that'll change one day but for right now like no not like in oh yeah we think in two years like probably not you know mm-hmm. um and so I feel like 
this is the first time that we've had the ability to pause and just focus on ourselves, right? And not necessarily like what the next expected goal is from us, right? Like I don't have to pour all of my energy into a full-time grad program or like I'm pretty settled at my job at this point, right? And like not settled with like, oh, I want to be here for a year and then move up. Like I'm I'm good, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm good being here for a while. Yeah. Um, You know, we have a home that we've been able to like pour a lot of love into, like we talked about before Mm -hmm. and like really make our own. And so, um, just what does it mean that now when I wake up on Sunday morning and not saying that I'm not busy or that like, I wish I had more free time, right. But like, I feel like I have some time to figure out like what I want to do. I have some expendable income now. What a, what a thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I have some time. Like, I have a, a, a wonderful relationship and a partner that can support me in, like, things that I want to explore, right? Mm-hmm. So taking this chapter of my life to realize, like, okay, now that I'm settled, I've kind of figured myself out. Like, what does that mean Yeah. for me? What do I like to do? Like, yeah. what are my hobbies? What are my, yeah. you know, all of those things. So just trying to... Yeah. Figure out, again, tying a nice bow and all this. Like, what yeah. makes me happy? What do I want to do? Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I'm excited for that journey for you both and yeah. to see what comes of that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was lovely. This was great. I had a great time. Yeah. And I'm glad you got to be here and do this. And thank you for being so open and honest. And I really appreciate every time somebody comes on and they, you know, open themselves up like this and are very open so thank you appreciate it you have very good questions and i don't know if you went so in-depth as to know that they would all like circle back together at the end i feel like so many times you know that usually believe it or not is up to each individual some people their conversations tie up in a nice bow Mm -hmm. and some people have so many different directions and thoughts and i think each person is very different and it's always very it's always very cool to see where it ends up so yeah Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And stay tuned, everyone, because there will be a part two to the book club episode. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Instagram at unofficialbookclubpod. Please don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends. Until next time.